evening and welcome to the John and Leah show. This is the program where we talk about the news of the week, the events of our often bizarre lives, and where we provide you with a three-hour oasis of honesty and rationality in the desert of insanity and deceit, which is the American media, cultural, and political landscape. My name is John Ziegler. My co-host is Leah Brandon. Hi. How are you, Leah? I'm doing very well. How are you? Hanging in there. Uh, we like to start the program off in the fall and the early winter with at least a few thoughts on the football weekend. And yes. I, I, I was thinking about this a few moments ago. I would say the four top geographical areas in the world mm-hmm. of the John and Leah show had major yes. football stories this weekend. Okay. Let's go through them. Uh, the Los Angeles Rams returned to Los Angeles for the first time in over two decades with a home game at the Coliseum today, and they won. Amazing. Despite not scoring a touchdown. So they have they played two games as the Los Angeles Rams. They have zero touchdowns, but they have a win, which puts them about ahead of about a third of the National Football League as of this moment with regard to victories. I have to say, I made an incorrect prediction with regard to the Rams. I did not think they were going to sell out their season tickets. But there was darn near, not quite, but darn near a sellout at the L.A. Coliseum today, which is almost impossible. I mean, it's Coliseum. Oh, it'll fade. I agree. It'll es- fade. Especially since it does look like the team is going to suck, right. even though they won today 9-3. to three. But I agree. If they, if they are anything like they were in the first game, uh, you know, by week 10, the Coliseum will be a mausoleum. <laughs> uh, I mean, there'll be nobody there. It'll be basically death warmed over. Uh, but as at least so far, I mean, the, the propaganda here, the media propaganda for the Rams in Southern California is it's off, crazy. off the charts. I mean, it it, is. everybody is completely invested media-wise in the Rams' success. And I have to say, you know, the Coliseum, it's amazing how well that place is held up. It's a beautiful place to watch a game in person or on television, even after all these many, many years. And seeing the Rams in their throwback jerseys, anything that even slightly resembles or it gives me any reason to reminisce about the 1980s, I'm in. That's how okay. That's how badly I think of 2016 America. If for, even for a few minutes, this kind of feels 80-ish. This feels 80-ish. <laughs> this feels 80-ish. I'll take it. Even if it's a pure fantasy, uh, I'll take it. So that was nice to see. And then, of course, you know, I do the show from Southern California. You do it from Alabama. Yes. Uh, Alabama played a, their nemesis for the last oh, couple of years, Old Miss. And how worried were you when it was uh, 24 to 3? Okay, let me tell you what I did. This uh-huh. is Because I know this, you rarely even watch the games because you get so nervous. N- my stomach can't take it. Mm-hmm. So I watched most of the first half. I took a Benadryl and passed out. <laughs> well, so, I did. Well, guess- I never saw the second half of the game. Well, All I know is that we won. I don't know how we won. I yeah. didn't see us win, right. but I couldn't take it anymore. Well, ironically, I think the old Miss defense also took a Benadryl. That might have been part of the uh, Good. the equation. You know, I like Alabama for a couple reasons. One, because you're a big fan, so I know it makes you happy. So when they win, that's great. But I didn't quite realize the, the real subconscious reasons and this is similar to the whole '80s thing with the Rams. I, yeah. I, I now have to put. I now have to hold on to such small things in anything, whether it's politics, news, sports, to make me even remotely sane. And so, in a world of insanity, which we mm-hmm. clearly are living in, in a world oh, yes, where, for sure, in a world where you can't count on anything anymore at all, I mean, at all, you can't even count on the Republican presidential nominee 
being a Republican. I mean, you, you, can't, yep. you can't count on that anymore. So in a world where you can't count on anything, here's why I like Alabama. Because you can count on them. You can count on Alabama. When, when, when they're When they're down 21, you know they ain't giving they're up. They're coming back. You, you know. <laughs> They're coming back. When they when they come all the way back and they're up four in the fourth quarter, you know they ain't choking. They ain't giving it up. You gotta take it away from them. And when they're up five, even after the other team scored two fluke touchdowns at the end, they need a first down, you know they're getting that first down. So that that's how pathetic it is in my world to actually root for things. I actually now take pleasure in things. I can count on. And you I can, can count on Nick Saban. Right. Well, that Nick Saban coach team is definitely part of it. So roll tide. And, and now they're basically one one win away, uh, in my view. If they beat LSU, they're in the SEC championship game. It's almost mathematically impossible, or mathematically, if you prefer the English language, almost mathematically impossible for them not to go to the SEC championship game. And Nick Saban doesn't lose SEC championship games. So yeah, therefore they're Nick in the Saban doesn't lose against LSU. Okay. I'm just, I'm just laying it out. I mean, if they're, if they beat LSU, which I think they will, then they're in the SEC championship game. Then that virtually means they're in uh, the uh, playoffs, uh, which was something yeah. we predicted uh, the first weekend of the season. And they lost that one time and it'll never happen again. <laughs> This coming from a woman who passed out because they were down by 21 points. Okay, I know. All I right. couldn't. I couldn't right. watch it. My so, stomach was so upset. Right. So then the other, the next city on the John and Leah radar, Louisville, Kentucky, my old stomping grounds, and where we're broadcasting WHAS radio there in Louisville, they stomped the living crap out of Florida I know. State. I know. In, in an epic evisceration, they now have a Heisman <laughs> Trophy candidate quarterback. And if they're anywhere near as good as they looked yesterday, uh, they may be playing Alabama in, I those, love it. in those playoffs or in that uh, championship game. And if Louisville and Alabama were to play, I'm guessing the final score would be somewhere like 62 to 55, something uh, in that range. And it would certainly be exciting, although it would be a brand new version of football. So uh, congratulations well, to the Louisville you, fans out there. You know how much I love Louisville. Yeah. Well, because of the horse racing aspect, right? You so, bet. Right. No, I'm, I was very serious when I said the four top regions of the John and Leah show. Number four would be my, my old stomping grounds where I grew up in Pennsylvania, where an enormous amount of media coverage was completely wasted and beyond distorted in reporting on the alleged honoring of former Penn State football coach Joe Paterno at Penn State. He has been deceased now for almost five years after being fired for nothing in a complete media-induced panic, which I have covered for the last almost five years. I have a website, framingpaterno.com. As I predicted, the tribute part of this thing was much to do about nothing and that the news media would completely, totally blow the whole thing. In fact, they probably did an even worse job of covering it than I thought. Uh, you wanted me to go into great detail about my most recent revelations in the case, which yes. I had touched on a couple of weeks ago, but we ran out of yes. time on. I uh. promise, I promise in hour number three, I will tell you a story that will blow your socks off on the real story of what happened there and why uh, the tarring of Joe Paterno was just so utterly and pathetically disgraceful and why the news media shows itself to be completely and totally broken. All right, so that's the analysis of the four major <laughs> geographical reasons, regions of the John and Leah show with regard to football. When we come back, 
Uh, also, by request by Leah Brandon, yeah. Leah, Leah wants to talk me to talk about my appearance on the Glenn Beck show this uh-huh. week. So we'll, very interesting. So we'll do that, and we'll also, of course, get to a lot of news of the week on the Free Speech Broadcasting Network. Welcome back. This is the John and Leah Show. My name is John Ziegler. My co-host is Leah Brandon. Our website is freespeechbroadcasting.com. I urge you to go there for a number of reasons. If you check out the articles at freespeechbroadcasting.com, I believe the top item right now is a news article about an interview that I did with Glenn Beck, a radio and TV interview that I did this week. Oddly enough, the interview, Leah, is one of the most fair ever written about me. Amazing what happens when it's written by your own employer. Yes. There's there's no slander, nothing remarkably inaccurate. I'm like, wow, this is so weird. This actually happens to people? Because usually when I'm written about, it's horrendous. Uh, But this is not. And uh, you can also hear the entire interview. There's an audio link there. And find that all at freespeechbroadcasting.com. Now, the way we normally do the show is that I set out the news stories that I find most interesting, and then I get Leah's input. And Leah made a special request that we bump the Glenn Beck interview to the top of the show. Right. And, and, And this makes sense because the Glenn Beck interview was done in large part, almost entirely, because... Glenn and I are in a very small group of talk show hosts and commentators, which is the so-called Never Trump group. Correct. And and you are a huge Glenn Beck fan. You and I have spoken about Glenn a lot in the past, and I have been very skeptical of Glenn. No, no, it's not skeptical. You called him a fraud. I can't count the times you said fraud. That's probably, uh, no, I did use that word, but let's let's be fair, though. And, and there's a reason why I can retract that now. And it's and it goes, the logic goes like this. See, I think you find out a lot about people and where they stand after their self-interest has passed in a Correct. story. Okay? Yes. Like, like for yes. instance, do you find out a lot about people after you've broken up with them or divorced them or you fired them? Right. That, that type of thing. And so Beck has stayed with the Never Trump long, oh, yeah. yes. long past where his self-interest theoretically could have been. He's going broke right. because they, of it. Right. And so, therefore, I have to logically, like, for instance, as an example, if I had given up on the whole Penn State Joe Paterno story yeah. after I knew I was not going to win, and, it, and believe me, it's been years since I concluded I ain't going to win. All right? so, if, so if I had given up on that when I realized it was no longer in my self-interest, then someone could easily have said, well, maybe Ziegler didn't really mean it. Maybe he was full of crap, whatever. But I haven't. I've right. stayed on it because I know I'm right, and the truth has meaning, even if you're going to lose. So in that respect, my view of Beck has changed, and I did the interview largely because of that and because you're a big fan. And so- Yes, and, and I am really disgusted with him right now. Oh, that's because, ironic. <laughs> well, because of his stance, it drives me crazy. And right. in fact, because I'm the person that used to listen to his podcast every single night. I've learned mm-hmm. so much from him. He is not a fraud. Glenn Beck Fair is enough. is always 
played in the media as a crazy person, Mm -hmm. but if you listen to his show, he is not a crazy person. He's very intelligent, and he sees around the corner much more than others. So what was your analysis of the interview itself? Well, uh, I really liked the interview because I told you, you and Beck are almost the same person. You have the same outlook. It When you listen to Glenn Beck, you have to really understand what's going on in the world or you're kind of lost. He's very intelligent. You always pay attention to everything going on. And so you guys totally get each other. Now, what I did was I pulled one segment from what you were talking about because And it's the very, very beginning because I remember the whole Newt Gingrich thing. And this really hit home. So let me just play this very quickly. John Ziegler, welcome to the uh, program, sir. How are you? Glenn, great to talk to you. The last time we spoke was uh, four years ago when we were both deathly afraid that Newt Gingrich might be the Republican presidential nominee. Oh, my. oh, oh, oh how simple times were then. <laughs> no <laughs> kidding. <laughs> Those days don't come back. Wow. <laughs> you know, you I mean, know that's Ronald Reagan to co- compared to what's going on. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you, know, you know what's crazy, John, is the same thing, but it was a much smaller group of people the same thing was going on then. People were like, he's great. He can articulate things. Yes, but he's a fan of Woodrow Wilson. He's a massive progressive. And well, they didn't seem to care. But now we are in wholly new territory. Oh, it's a completely brave new world. I mean, Newt basically got torpedoed because he did a commercial with Nancy Pelosi on a park bench. Here, Donald <laughs> Trump has basically had done anything but have sex with Hillary, and he's still going to be the nominee and maybe the president. <laughs> Unbelievable. Okay, now that hit home with me because I was so behind Newt Gingrich for that reason. You know, and for it's very – For the reason that he spoke out and he yelled at the media. Mm-hmm. Um you know, because we, some people feel like we never fight back. Right. And so Newt Gingrich, I was like, oh, he's fighting back. I'm voting for him. And he's not the guy to vote for. You know, that is fascinating that you said that because my wife and I today at uh, brunch with our four-year-old daughter had a conversation about this, and Grace didn't really participate very much in it. Um, but, <laughs> but, I didn't think but, so. but, but my wife has the exact same theory that I think you do, which is Trump is as a result of a huge portion of the Republican base effectively feeling castrated and yes. wanting to sock it to the other guy. Yes. Even at your own detriment. Now that's the part where where I differ with you. I'm look, nobody wants to punch somebody in the nose in the media more than me, okay? <laughs> I mean, it's my whole life. I despise the media more than anybody on the planet. But I also love my country and I and I want what's best for it. And that's it's hard to see past that, though. Okay, it's hard to see past. Get them, get them, get them. I love my country. It's hard to get there because I just want to fight. And I get it. And I respect that. And I have a few more thoughts on the Glenn Beck interview. And then we'll get on to the news of the week when we come back on the John and Leah show on the Free Speech Broadcasting Network. 
the John and Leah show. My name is John Ziegler. My co-host is Leah Brandon. Our website is freespeechbroadcasting.com, where, among other things, you can check out the um, Mediate article about my appearance on the Glenn Beck radio and television show this week that includes audio of the entire interview, which I urge you to listen to because there's some It was things, a really good interview. Well, there's some information on there about the nature of the conservative media, Matt Drudge and Andrew Breitbart and mm-hmm. uh, all that whole story, just basically the tip of the iceberg of that whole story that I know that the uh, that Glenn Beck and his, and his uh, co-hosts found very interesting, and I think you will as well. So check that out at freespeechbroadcasting.com. I don't want to belabor this, uh, but I do think there's some interesting and important elements to it. With Just for, to finish up the point on Newt Gingrich, which... You know, Glenn and I were both very much against Newt Gingrich. Correct. For, for the record, Leah, Newt Gingrich would have gotten slaughtered by Barack Obama in 2012. Yes. Okay. Yeah. We we yeah. he never would have even sniffed winning like Mitt Romney did before choking in the third debate. Okay. Okay. <laughs> he never would have sniffed it, and you know we probably would have been much worse off with regard to Congress with Newt Gingrich. Now we still don't know how it's all going to pan out with Trump. Um, the polls are a mess. And right now, things look much better for him than they have recently. I'll get to the details on that. I'm still not at all convinced he's going to win, and I'm still not convinced that he might not lose by a proportion worse than Romney. That's still very much in play. But You've uh, only got a 25% chance of him winning. That's right? Technically, that's what it is at freespeechbroadcasting.com. And frankly... That's high. I think that's a little high. I mean, Mm -hmm. uh, and and it's mainly, and that gets me to something I want to clarify about the Glenn Beck interview. Glenn asked me, so who's going to win? And I said, I think Hillary will win because I think she's got more cards to play. And because she she does. I mean, there are not that many cards left for Trump to play. I mean, he, he can go in deeper, I guess, into Monica Lewinsky and that whole business, I guess. Um I, I don't know how that's going to move many votes. It might among some young people who have no clue uh, about Monica Lewinsky, but and the whole that whole uh, situation and, and Hillary did play a role in that. I mean, there's no question that she played a role in the cover up, uh, accusing the you know basically Monica and the other women of a, being part of a vast right wing conspiracy. Remember that uh, the media has completely forgotten that aspect. So I guess there's some. There's a card to play there, maybe. Maybe there's one I'm not yes, thinking but of. But I look at New York. I mean, we've got bombings that uh, they don't even want to admit are terrorism. I mean, we've we, got New Jersey. We've got a stabbing in we, Minnesota. Okay. All right. Well, again, none of those things, unless there's we, we find a connection, is going to move the needle in this case. Uh, we, we've now established that for something to count as a major terrorist attack, you know, dozens of people have to die. I do find it bizarre that if a, if a couple dozen people get injured, that doesn't really count, apparently. Um, but I digress. Anyway, back to, to this whole business of why I told Glenn that Hillary would win. And that is that she has more cards to play. I think the debates are going to be bad for Trump. That's why he's already claiming, as he did today, the debates are going to be rigged. They're rigged, I tell you. Um, that's what he said. And you only say that when you know you're going to get your ass kicked. Uh, or if you're Trump and you think... All I know is what's on the internet. I mean, the, the, reality, <laughs> the, the reality is 
that he's going to do poorly in the debates. I don't know how that's going to wash out because the expectations for him might be so low that it doesn't have as much impact as it should in a normal race. But I said to him, I ended it, and I, and I phrased this poorly. And, I, and part of why I want to talk about this because I want to clarify this for the record. I told Glenn that even though he might think I'm crazy, I still think if this gets down to the very, very end and it's still a jump ball, that George W. Bush will step in and I said endorse Hillary Clinton. Now that was no. Well, if you let me finish. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> and and what I should have said was effectively endorse Hillary Clinton. He'll never literally endorse her because that would actually hurt Hillary Clinton uh, among her base. Uh, if they, you know, that would create the narrative of you know this establishment elite against the outsider. And, you know, it would also make a lot of the lefties suspicious of her because she would be like in cahoots with the guy who created 9-11 and sent us to war in Iraq and Bush lied and people died and all that. Warmonger. So so that wouldn't work for her. But what would work for her is if Bush just happened to give a speech or just happened in the last few days to be interviewed and completely eviscerate Donald Trump. I think if that, he does that, I would really lose all respect for him. And I would lose all respect for him if he didn't, because there's nobody in America who has both the s- potential self-interest. Not that there wouldn't be a negative element to this to him. But you got to remember, this is a guy who uh, Trump blamed for 9-11. This That's is a, true. This is a guy. I do remember this that. This is a guy who Trump destroyed his brother for months, belittled, lied about, uh, could not have possibly been more of a D-bag to. Than I'm glad about that, though. Fine, That's fine. I, I didn't want Jeb to be the nominee either. I, uh, but, but the reality is he was off the charts, inappropriate to Jeb. and To everybody. <laughs> uh, but worse to Jeb than anybody. And, and oh, he's a guy who has a very good relationship, much to my... Chagrin yes, with, with, with Bill Clinton, Clinton. Mm-hmm. his brother from another mother. He yeah. has a good relationship with Hillary. He cares deeply about his country. And I just can't believe that he would stay on the sidelines knowing he's about the only guy that could move the needle at the last moment and make, you know, moderate Republicans go, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. Hold on a second. What are we doing here? What the hell are we doing now? Look, I, Barack Obama it has been disgusting mm-hmm. with blaming George Bush for everything mm-hmm. for eight years, and he never said a word. So I cannot but see him coming in now. I again, <laughs> I think this is a small percentage chance because I don't think it's going to be a jump ball at the very end. I'm talking about if this is a jump ball, it's the bottom of the ninth, it's a tie game, <laughs> and and Bill, you know, Bill calls him up and says, hey, 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 George, we need a pinch hitter. And oh, we're, my we're, goodness. We're, 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 we're the country. Don't do it, George. The, the country, Don't do it. The country is at stake here, George. You know, you know we can't have that guy. We cannot have that man, Donald Trump, be president. You know it. You know it, Bill. You know it, George. Come on. Uh, so th- th- I think that there is a chance <laughs> under that scenario that. Gosh, I hope you're wrong. Well, 
I hope you're wrong. My, I I could very well be wrong. Uh, yeah, you know, I, I think I understand George Bush pretty well. In fact, ironically, I think the fact that Trump went after Jeb weirdly decreases the chances that George would do it because it would make it look like, and you know this is how Trump would respond. Trump would respond, oh, he's, he's got you know, butt sore because I went after, I killed his brother. So, That's you know, right. You know, you know, that whole Low business. Low energy Jeb. Right, exactly. Um, which, of course, would only show how classless Trump really is and why he shouldn't be president to begin with. But none, you know, very few of his people would ever even think of it that way because they're all diseased and have a virus. <laughs> uh, and not all of them, but a lot of them. Anyway, the, my point is that that was my clarification of that prediction at the end of the, the Glenn Beck interview. Also happening at the end of the Glenn Beck interview, I felt as if I was being blessed. Yes, you were. You, d- you did receive the blessing. I know you must feel alone, but uh, I want you to know you give a lot of people hope. <laughs> I know you must feel alone, my son. That's right. <laughs> but, but Thank you for on. a conservative actually standing and, and, and speaking for principles. <laughs> I was, it was so, it's so weird. I, I have been... Um, I so have PTSD or whatever you know, post-traumatic stress disorder from every from every mention I ever get in the news media. That yes. when somebody actually says something nice, I, I don't know how yes. to deal with it. I'm completely flummoxed. <laughs> as, what, what, did he just compliment? Me? What? What? How did that happen? That well, thanks, Glenn. I do appreciate it. And look, um, even I, though I disagree with Glenn's position on this, uh, I have the utmost respect for Glenn Beck, which is why I worked for him on the Blaze Radio Network. Right. And, and I, I, there's no question that he has, and I said this in the, in the interview, has put more on the line for his position here than anybody else has. Because, Absolutely. Because this is all about money. I mean, everybody else on the other side, all the conservative talk show and commentator stars that sold out to Trump, they did it for money and for their own self-adulation and their own position and wanting to be on the winning side. Beck did not do that even after it was clear, well, very clear, that he was yeah. on the losing side. And Correct. he deserves a lot of credit for that. And, uh, you know, it was nice to hear. I know you must feel alone, <laughs> but uh, I want you to know you give a lot of people hope. That's right, my son. <laughs> <laughs> I almost got a, a, a you know, blessing over the phone. It was... Uh, Genuflect right now. <laughs> and it, it, was, it was fun. Check out the whole thing at uh, freespeechbroadcasting.com. The interview with Glenn Beck. When we come back, the news of the week, and there's a ton of it to get to on the Free Speech Broadcasting Network. Welcome back. This is the John and Leah Show. My name is John Ziegler. My co-host is Leah Brandon. Our website is freespeechbroadcasting.com. Let's turn now to the specific news related to the race for the White House 2016. And I mentioned, Leah, in the last segment that I believe that Hillary has more cards to play in the last few weeks of the campaign than Trump does, largely because of the nature of the debates. But we'll see how that uh, pans out. One of the cards, and one of the biggies, is the issue of birtherism. And the reason why I felt like this is a really big card for for Hillary to potentially play is that this is a subject that the average person can easily understand. 
You know, the people who decide elections are not bright. We've often referred to them as idiots, imbeciles. So you need you need an issue for an issue, an issue to be really dangerous. It has to be eye level. It has to be understood, and it has to be clear cut. And here's the basics of what happened with Donald Trump and birtherism. Donald Trump's political birth story, if you will. When I mean that, you know, obviously with the the analogy towards the fact that this is birtherism towards Obama's birth, but this was Donald Trump's political birth story was that he not only questioned, but over an extended period of time declared that President Barack Obama was not born in America and that he had investigators in in Hawaii who had come up with explosive information proving that this was the case. And in fact, even after Obama released his long-form birth certificate in 2011, Trump still said, in as late as 2012, he tweeted that he had information that that birth certificate was a fake. Well, all of that has been proven to be trash. Barack Obama was born in Hawaii. That is an absolute fact. Now, before people who are, you know, acquainted with birtherism freak out at me, I am well-versed in this subject. I believe that Barack Obama lied. Yep. But he didn't lie about his birth certificate. I believe that when his first book proposal was created, and the book proposal clearly says he was born in Kenya— Correct. <laughs> could, could, which, by the way, when you're a non-celebrity, which Obama was at the time, there is no chance your literary agent doesn't run that past you. In fact, there's almost no chance you didn't write it yourself, okay? Because I've done this myself. The literary agent <laughs> doesn't write it for you unless you're a celebrity, okay? So how did that happen? The only way that can happen is if at that time... Obama thought it was in his self-interest to let people believe he was born in Kenya, never thinking in a million years that his eligibility to be president might matter because that was never remotely in the cards back then. So did Obama at some point lie about his birth? Yeah, but that doesn't mean he wasn't, at least I believe the evidence is that yes, he did lie. But that doesn't mean he wasn't born here, and that right. doesn't mean he's not eligible. But it does put a question mark in your head. No, I already I mean, answered. Who would do that? I, I'm born in Kenya. No, look, why, I, Leah? I think it's a legitimate political issue and a question yeah. that should have been asked of Barack Obama. Let's say before he was a U.S. senator, maybe. Correct. I, I mean, that question should have been asked. To my knowledge, it has never been asked. It has never been asked, which is amazing and an incomplete indictment of the pathetic and corrupt media. nature of our news media that, that you can, as a presidential candidate or as even a U.S. senatorial candidate, you can get through every campaign you've ever been on and, and be a two-term U.S. president and never answer the question, gee, how did it get into a book proposal that you were born in Kenya? But Now, is the foreign student thing... Real or is that a I, drudge thing? I don't know enough. Look, it is certainly possible. It is certainly possible that that was part of the lie. 
that okay. in order to get the funding, get the funding, and also to get. I mean, when you go from from the the rinky dink little uh, school here in Los Angeles that he first went to, and you end up at Columbia and then Harvard, <laughs> th- that that doesn't happen without something jump starting it. And being a foreign born student from a place like Kenya might help. Uh, so I, you know, I think it is certainly possible that he put that on his application. I don't know that. I, I will say that there, w- there was an article in the New York Times written about him being the first black uh, the guy to run the, the, the law review there at Harvard, yes, right? Yes, correct. And, mm-hmm. and it specifically states that he was born in Hawaii. But it's not a quote. See, it doesn't say like, it doesn't have Obama saying, well, you know, I was born in Hawaii and I moved here. It just says he was born in Hawaii, which is consistent, at least theoretically, with the New York Times doing their own basic investigation. Okay, so he was born in Hawaii and blah, blah, blah. Or it's consistent with maybe Obama told them he was born in Hawaii. I don't know. I mean, it's hard to say because the New York Times used to actually do their own journalism. That doesn't happen much anymore. But anyway, my, my point in all this is I understand why there were questions, mm-hmm. but those questions were answered and they were answered beyond any shadow of a doubt in 2011. And had Trump stopped then as his campaign is currently claiming that he did as a lie, it's a flat out bald faced 100% lie that they stopped in 2011. That didn't happen. And had that happened, I don't think this issue would be death in a rational world to a Donald Trump presidential candidacy. However, that's not what happened. He went on for the next five years up until this January while a presidential candidate and told Wolf Blitzer he's still not sure. In fact, the day before he held his press conference this week, he still wasn't sure. But by the way, I have I have exclusive information as to what happened between Thursday night when Trump indicated he still wasn't sure whether Obama was born here and what happened Friday morning when he held his dramatic press conference saying that he was born in the United States. It's very clear cut. This is new information. I'm breaking it exclusively. He got a phone call Friday morning from his Hawaii investigator, John Miller. And okay. John Miller told him he had found information that indeed, after all these years, Barack Obama was born in the United States of America. So that's exclusive information just from the John and Leah show. It was John Miller, his uh, famous PR guy, hint, hint, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. So, yeah. the re- so the reality here is that had Trump, had Trump stopped it in 2011, I wouldn't be making a big deal about this. He would have been wrong. He would have shown that he has bad judgment, that he's prone to believing in conspiracy theories, which he clearly is. We've seen that numerous times before, but it wouldn't be death to me. The What he has done since and how he handled it on Friday, to me, Leah, and you're not going to like to hear this, I have tried, I have tried really hard throughout this whole campaign to find an explanation, a reason, a rationale to even remotely support Donald Trump as president. And to me, Friday ended it. There is no chance 
There is no chance, none. He could he could come up with the cure for cancer between now and November eighth, and I cannot support him. I just can't and see. I think just the opposite. Of course you do. I think this issue, he killed it. Okay. It's dead and gone. Right. And the media's like, darn it. Darn it. Yeah. You know what you know what you know what people like you were like on Friday cheering his press conference? You know what you reminded me of? You reminded me of people cheering OJ on his Bronco chase. Oh gosh, please. Go, go, Trump, go! You go! You you killed that! that. Is you killed ridiculous. it! You're, you're, you're trolling the news media. Go! This issue go, go, go. doesn't matter. Right, we'll, we'll get into the details of this when we come back. Hour number two on the John and Leah show on the Free Speech Broadcasting Network. 